that. And I want to tell you that story, but before I do, I have to give you some preface. I need to give you some information that'll help it to make sense. So some years ago, I decided that I wanted to switch phone carriers and I ended up going with T-Mobile because at the time, T-Mobile was doing this thing where uh, you didn't have to have a contract, you could switch your phone whenever you wanted to, and it just gave you all this freedom. And a part of my mind said, you know, I wanna, I wanna buck the system and I wanna get on T-Mobile. And it was great. Now here's the thing with T-Mobile. T-Mobile works excellent in Mexico and Canada, and sometimes even abroad. But if you're driving in middle America, after Kara and I got married, we drove from Knoxville to California, and I can't tell you how many times I try to listen to something on one of my streaming services, whether it was Netflix or YouTube or Spotify, and my phone would just stop working because I would literally get no reception anywhere in the middle of the country. And it was frustrating. And, and you know how frustrating it is when you just don't have your GPS that you've come to rely on or you don't have that music you've been listening to. Now there is one hack and I'll give you this for free. There's one way that if your T-Mobile phone stops working uh, because there's no reception, you can actually still get reception. And that's to be married to someone that has Verizon. <laughs> yeah, thankfully Kara still has Verizon. So we were not without all of the things that we needed on this long road trip. But for me, it was T-Mobile and reception was terrible. So now I wanna fast forward to several years later. I went to a conference in this little town by the name of Ure, Colorado. Now, Ure is about six hours outside of Denver. It's not in the Rocky Mountains, but it's settled in the San Juan mountain range. It's a beautiful little town. It's literally nestled um, in between all these mountains. So if you're in the town and you look up, you can go 360 and there's mountains all around you. It's beautiful. They have hot springs. There's a lot of history there. And it's my favorite, favorite little town in America. So. I was there one time and I decided that I wanted to do a hike because the guy at the sporting store said, hey, if you want to do some hiking, um, there's a trail. It's about six or seven miles and it goes all the way around the town. So if you want to get some good views of the, of the town, if you want to get some good scenery of landscape, like go ahead and take this. The trail is mostly marked, but you should be fine with your cell phone because the cell phone will actually give you the GPS coordinates and you can just find your way. I thought to myself, awesome. It had been raining, so I, I bought a rain poncho, those like 99 cent ones. I packed some food, I packed some snacks, and I was ready and I was off and I was enjoying it. I was taking pictures, it was awesome. But like an hour into this hike, I was very well aware that I was absolutely lost. So most of the trail, if you've ever been hiking, they have those little trails where you can see where everything is. But at some point, I must have gotten off the trail because I had to go over like granite rocks, which seemed weird at the time, but I thought to myself, like this is Colorado, I'm out here roughing it, like maybe it's supposed to be like this. So I just kept going and going and going. And without realizing it, I had no more view of the town. Like I was literally in the San Juan Mountains, for me, in the middle of nowhere. And I thought to myself like, hey, I can't stay lost out here uh, because I don't have any bear spray and I don't plan on getting into any like fights with bears out here because there are bears there. I remember because as I drove into town, I saw a bear and it ran across the street. I was afraid of bears. I was afraid that I wouldn't have enough food or water or whatever I needed in case I was actually really lost. But then I reminded myself like, no big deal. I'm lost right now. I feel lost. I feel disoriented. I didn't have a compass because 
I just don't carry one generally. But I was like, I'll just have my phone and I'll just, you know, refresh my GPS and I'll be fine. Except that when I opened up my GPS app, it was just blank. Like I could not reload or refresh my GPS because yeah, I had no phone reception. I didn't think to check that before I actually went on this hike. And for like a moment, I just had this moment of panic. I'm not a panicky person. I don't think I scare very easily, but in this moment, I became keenly aware of all the dangers that were around me. Bears, deers, other kinds of animals. I don't know if there's wolves in the mountains. Um, I started thinking about how I might even be dehydrated or starved to death or something. You know, when, when you feel lost and disoriented, like your rational brain somehow turns off and you just begin to think of the worst possible case scenarios. And that's what was happening to me. And, and I remember I kept grabbing my phone and I kept trying to hit the refresh, refresh, refresh. I kept trying to load it. I would walk 10 feet this way, 15 feet that way, just trying to go in a big circle to see if maybe I could get a little bit of reception. And I just kept pressing and pressing and pressing and pressing and like nothing happened. It was like such a helpless feeling of not only feeling lost, but not knowing what to do. Because I had gone off the trail far enough that I wasn't, it wasn't just an easy turn around and go back the way you came because uh, I had gone off the trail and I had gone all through thickets and, and um, granite rocks, and which I thought was cool at the time until I realized uh, you should probably pay attention to where you're going. And no matter how much I refreshed, nothing was working. You know, um, it is said that Albert Einstein says that to do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, is the definition of insanity. And that's what I was doing, refresh, refresh, expecting a different result, but nothing was changing. You know, it got me thinking as I was preparing for this message, is that what we find in the story of the Old Testament was the children of God, the children of Israel, they, they kept doing the same thing over and over and it kept leading them further and further away from God. And, and oftentimes they would find themselves going into exile and they were like, you know, they would wail and lament and be mournful because all of a sudden they, they were once in the presence of God in the holy city of Zion. And then all of a sudden they would find themselves dispersed throughout the kingdoms of Babylon because they were in exile. You see, at, at the beginning of scripture, God made a covenant or a deal or a contract with the Israelites. And it basically says this, Israelites, if you follow my commandments, like I will bless you. If you don't, you will be cursed. And it wasn't that God was wanting to punish them through the curse, but it's that it was entering into a covenant relationship with God because God only wanted the very best for his people. And God was giving him these, these commandments and these laws, not because God was an oppressive tyrant, but because God knew that when the Israelites came out of Egypt, like these were going to be the guiding principles that was going to help them to live in the land that God was taking them to. They were an Asian, a nation in their infancy and God was providing them clarity moving forward. But time and time again through the Old Testament, we find the nation of Israel continually not keeping their end of the deal. And as a result, they were led into exile. So in exile, what we find and some of you may have heard of this book. It's called the Book of Lamentations. It's in the Old Testament. It comes right after the prophet Jeremiah. And Lamentations was a book written entirely from the perspective of the Israelites in exile. They were far away from home. 
And it was their way of lamenting, of mourning, of weeping, of feeling sorry, even pitying themselves because they not only hadn't kept their end of the deal with God, but because as a result of their own doing, like they were led into exile far from home. And so I want to read to you a definition from a friend of mine, and and she writes about lament, and this is what she says, and, and I want you to personalize this. Now, don't just think about the Israelites, but think about moments in your own life, moments when you feel disoriented, dislocated, moments when you feel like just things aren't going the way you want them to, moments in your life when even the decisions you've made maybe have led you down a path that you wish you weren't on, but now you're there. And this is what she says. My friend's name is Laura Murray, and she says this, To lament is to turn towards God with honesty, with our cries, our fears, our longings, while holding on to hope and confidence in who God is. Lament is about being honest with our thoughts, emotions, our requests, and our situation in life. For the Israelites, they wrote an entire book about how repentant they were because of what they had done. And in our own lives, maybe we're not in an actual exile, but we oftentimes do find ourselves in our lives when things just aren't going the way we thought they would. Now, sometimes, granted, it's things outside of our control. Sometimes it's things that are done to us that we had no, nothing to do with. But oftentimes, if we're honest with ourselves, we have made certain decisions in our lives that have actually led us to places that we wish we'd rather not be because of the pain and the suffering that we experience. And so this is where we we resonate with the story of the Israelites when they are lamenting. And so I want to just look at a couple of different verses in the book of Lamentations, just so that you can get like a brief view into their deep pain and despair of being in exile. So Lamentations chapter 1 verse 3, It says, Judah has gone into exile with suffering and hard servitude. Judah was the nation of Israel. And she finds no resting place. They're saying we're in exile and we find no rest. Remember the words of Jesus when he says that if you come to him, those who are weary and heavy laden, you will find rest for your soul. But in the book of Lamentations, they're saying there is no resting place for us. And then Lamentations 1, 7 tells us this, Jerusalem remembers in the days of her affliction and wandering in exile, all the precious things that were hers in the day of old. See, when we're in these moments of of lamenting, it's when we're looking back at the way things were when they were good. It's a longing for going back to a better day. Verse 11 says, all of her people groan as they search for bread. So it's this image of not having all that they need to survive. Verse 16 says, For these things we weep, my eyes flow with tears, for a comforter is far from me, and there is no one to revive my courage. Like this was literally their rock bottom. And then in chapter 3, verse 17, it tells us this, My soul is bereft of peace, it means there's no peace to be found. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, gone is my glory and all that I had hoped for from the Lord. See, can you just picture this? This deep sadness, this deep regret. And it was their way of repenting and acknowledging that, you know what, God, we, we failed 
on our end of the relationship. There is no resting place. There is no peace. There is no one to comfort me. It's like the best that we can understand this is if you've ever gone through a breakup and then you play that one song that's really sad, but you keep playing it over and over again. And even though it makes you sadder and makes you miss that relationship, that's our form of lamenting. And Lamentations was exactly that. It was their way of acknowledging their heartbreak, owning up to the responsibility that they had failed, but also longing for the comforter and the hope. You see, when we go through moments of despair, when we go through moments of suffering in our lives, we go through these moments of lament. We go through these sobering moments of reminders in our lives that perhaps we have made certain decisions that have led us to places we'd rather not be. And so I want to introduce you to a word, and, and some of you may be aware of this word, but in the Old Testament there was this word, and it's, and it's Hebrew word called shalom. And shalom, oftentimes for us in English, it's translated as peace. And sometimes in churches you'll hear somebody say Shabbat shalom, like happy or peaceful Sabbath. But for the Bible writers, this word shalom wasn't just like peace be with you, but it was like if you have the shalom that comes from God, you have this inner wholeness, this inner peace, this inner tranquility, this inner reserve of God's presence, and some might even call it the glory of God. But you see in Lamentations, they said, the glory of God is far from us. The shalom of God is far from us. And now all we want is God's shalom. They had been chasing after other things that they thought would bring them happiness. And now in this moment of suffering, in this moment of their own exile, they say, all we long for is the shalom of God. See, lament played an important part in the ancient life of Israel. And lament still plays an important part in your life and in my life, especially when we're going through moments of uncertainty and suffering in our lives. So the question we ask, as we're citizens of heaven living on this earth, how do we find hope and confidence in the midst of these moments of lament in our lives? So I want to give you just two things. I want to leave you two practical things that you can do as you continue to find and nurture hope in your life. So the first step is this. When you find yourself in moments of suffering, of uncertainty, these moments of lamenting, the first thing you do is don't rush through it. You see, for most of us, we don't like experiencing discomfort in our lives. And in fact, if you go to the local drugstore, there's a pill for almost every kind of discomfort we have in our lives. If you have a headache, there's ibuprofen. If you have a cold, there's Sudafed. If you have allergies, there's Benadryl or a hundred other allergy medicines. No matter what symptoms we have, there is something for the most part that we can buy at the drugstore to help relieve this discomfort. But when you find yourself in these moments of lament, I wanna encourage you not to just rush past it, don't just try to find something to heal over the temporary wound of that deep sadness or repentance you're going through. Don't just look for the next distraction, that next Netflix show or, or Amazon show that you can binge on so you can take your mind away from the thing that's happening. Because that thing that is bringing you this uncertainty is still going to be there after you've binged three seasons of that latest show. You see, lament is one of God's ways of developing you spiritually and developing your faith. Because if you allow it, these moments of lament 
is what God uses to strengthen and grow your faith. These moments of lament is what God uses to reorient the things in your life that are truly important. See, God does not waste our pain. And oftentimes if we allow it, there is purpose in our pain that only God can begin to show us if we're open and sit in these moments long enough. You know, the Bible tells us, especially in in the Gospels, that sometimes God prunes things out of our lives, which is a way of saying God cuts things out of our lives that need to be cut off. There are things in every one of our lives that are either taking us further away from God or, or creating unhealthy patterns and circumstances in our lives. And what the Bible tells us is that for those of us who are people of faith, God actually cuts and prunes so that you are a better version than you could be on your own. See, lamenting is really these moments of repentance. Lamenting, if we allow it to, allow us to recenter our lives in the presence of God. Because by doing so, we're exposed to the shalom and the peace that only comes with the presence of God. So don't rush through it. Don't just try to cover up over it, but allow God to be your teacher in these moments of uncertainty and pain. And the second thing that I want to share with you that's practical, in these moments of lament, it's the perfect opportunity for you to take responsibility and ownership of the decisions you have made that have led you into self-imposed exile. Another way of saying this is take responsibility for the circumstance you find yourself in if it was you that made those decisions. Because like we've said, there are things that go on all around us that that they just happen to us. Like the global pandemic that's going on around us, we didn't do anything to bring that on to ourselves. It just happens and now we find ourselves in this stay-at-home exile where we can't do anything yet. And so we can't take ownership of that. But even in these moments, we can use this time of stillness to take ownership for the things that we have done in our lives that have led us away from the presence of God. And so I want to read to you from the book of Lamentations to show you what it was that they did. Not the book of Lamentations, I'm sorry, the book of Jeremiah. Because I want to show you why they were led into exile and what this grievous sin that the Israelites did that we sometimes... If you're honest with yourself, we do the same thing day in and day out. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 11 and 13. Now, Jeremiah wrote Lamentations. So Jeremiah was the mouthpiece for the children of Israel when they were in their lament. And so Jeremiah is now talking to us about what the Israelites had done. Verse 11. Has a nation changed its gods, even though they were no gods at all? But my people have changed their glory for something that does not profit them. So God is speaking through Jeremiah and God says, the reason you find yourself in these terrible situations is because you have gone after other gods. And God says that we're not gods at all. You've gone after other gods. And when we think of who God is, one thing that God is is that he is our sustainer. He is the one who gives us life. He is the one that gives us breath. He is the one that sustains our lives. He is the one 
in whom we live and breathe and have our being. It is because of God that we're alive. And God says, my people have gone after other gods. You know, we can only find true shalom, true peace, true joy, true happiness if we're connected to the source who creates all that. But the children of Israel kept going after other things, hoping to find more immediate or quick fixes for their pain, for their suffering. They just wanted to be able to take an ibuprofen to get them to that next fix. And that's what they were doing. They were rejecting God in favor of other gods that were not gods at all. And he says, they have changed my glory for something that does not profit them. Verse 12, God says, be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate, says the Lord. And then verse 13 says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug out cisterns for themselves, cracked cisterns that hold no water. God says, they have committed these evils. They have forsaken me. You know, we oftentimes, when we go through difficult times, we often think like, God, why have you forsaken me? God, why are you letting me go through this? Why is this happening? But in reality, what we find in the pattern of fallen humanity is that it's we that oftentimes forsake God that it's us who often turn away from God and, and maybe not in disbelief, but just we, we turn not to other gods, but we turn to ourselves. We turn to our own selfish desires. And listen, that's, that's like making an idol of ourselves and choosing us as God over the true God. And God says, you, fors- you forsook me. They have forsaken me. They had me, the river or the fountain of living water. And this is a metaphor that is continually used in scriptures that that God is the fountain of living water. And all that means is that when you're in the presence, when you partake, when you are a part of a relationship with God, you have access to this fountain, this never-ending fountain that will give you the best kind of life. And God says, I have given this to my children and they kept forsaking me. They kept going after other rivers of water. They kept going after other false gods. And the second thing he says, and they dug for themselves cisterns, cracked cisterns. A cistern, um, if we can just think of some kind of jug or jar, but if it has cracks in it, it can't hold any water. And so God was basically telling them, not only did you forsake the one eternal source of living water, but then you created these cisterns to hold other kinds of water, but because they were cracked and broken, could hold no water. Metaphor, metaphor for what happens when we seek our joy and our greatest good outside the presence of God. When we seek true shalom outside of God, we will never find it. And so lament are these moments of reorientation of recalibration in our life of faith that God can use to make sure that we go back to the path that God wants us to walk down. And so as citizens of heaven, we need lament in our lives as difficult as it is, not just lamenting over the decisions that we've made, but also lamenting over the indecisions that we made. We lament over the times that we've been silent when it comes to issues of justice. See, lamenting is about taking ownership of everything in our lives. And so when we lament, it's these moments of personal reflection. 
See, lamenting doesn't just have to happen when difficult things happen in our lives. But if we incorporate this pattern, this spiritual discipline of lament in our own lives, where we just stop and reflect on the things we've done, the thoughts we've had, the attitudes we've had, the words we've used, like if we're honest, we could probably take ownership of a lot more. You know, I know one of the things that I've always done in my life is I've always been sarcastic. And over the years, I've had people who have humbled me and who have shared with me that, hey, sometimes when you're sarcastic, it hurts my feelings. You know, we think sarcasm, well, we're just joking. We're just having fun. Sarcasm is okay. But in reality, like sarcasm actually makes things worse especially when you have to explain to people that you were just joking. And so sometimes when we pause long enough to reflect on our own lives or souls or spirits, we begin to realize, listen, there are things that I have to take ownership of. There are things that I have to lament over. And the other thing that lamenting does for us is it helps us to take personal responsibility for the bad things so that we can then begin to rejoice in the good things that are happening in our lives. But above all, what lamenting does for us is it helps to cultivate our relationship in the presence of God. Because when we strip everything away, when we stop pretending, when we stop wearing masks for other people to see how holy or how good we are, when we stop worrying about everything else and we just sit in the presence and in the silence of God, and we are just allow ourselves to be vulnerable, like God uses those times to shape and fortify our character. And we don't want to be like the Israelites where Jeremiah says, they not only forsook me and went after other waters, but they also dug up these broken cisterns. We don't want to be like that. Now, I don't know what it is for you, but every one of us has something that keeps going back to. There's something that we keep digging our own cistern saying we want our own jars. And maybe it's a relationship you keep going back to. Maybe it's an addiction you keep going back to or a mindset or a limiting belief or maybe some kind of destructive habit or sin that you're doing in your life that you just keep going back to because you think if this next time it's going to be better. It was like me refreshing my GPS on my phone hoping that things are going to get better. But listen, it was just insanity when I was doing that. And it's insanity when we go back to things that are broken cisterns that are things that are not the presence of the living God. That is insanity. And we keep wanting it to be better this time. We think this time it's going to be better. Or this time it won't be so bad if I do this one thing. But God's like, if you're not coming to the fountain of living water, you're always going to have a broken cistern and you're not going to find the shalom of God. And so as we think about, well, the Israelites, they messed up a bunch of times. Did they do anything right? And I want to read from Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21 and 25. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Now listen to this. What the, the Bible tells us that in the midst of their deep despair and exile, it says, but this I call to mind, and this thing that I remember is what gives me hope. Verse 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every single morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, 
to the soul that seeks him. Listen to that promise. In the midst of exile, like the book of Lamentations, if you take a, if you take a moment to read it, what you'll see is just how much the despair was. They would say things like, we look at Jerusalem and now it's destroyed. Jerusalem was the symbol of the place where the city of God was. It was what they called Zion. We still sing songs about it today. And so Jerusalem was the place where they said, if Jerusalem is built and it's good and the temple is there, then the presence of God is there, the glory of God is there, the shalom of God is there. And and then it was gone, utterly destroyed. More than 500 years before Jesus walks on earth, it was destroyed and they could see it. They could see the ruins of the city that was once their glory, now laid in ruins They were afraid. They were fearful. It says they had no food. They feared for their children. They feared for the women. They feared for themselves. Everyone was afraid that other people would come and raid what little bit they had left. But they said even in the midst of the deepest, darkest depression of their lives, it says the Lord is steadfast in his love and his love never ceases. You see, they understood that even in exile, even in lament, God still loved them. God's love was steadfast and his mercies were still there for them if they chose to see it. Lament and exile are blessings that we can use in our lives to teach us and to recenter us into the presence of God. And they said God's blessings and mercies and goodness and love are new every single morning. God, think about that. You know, we wake up in the mornings before COVID we would complain about having to get ready and go to work. We would complain about um, your boss or your coworkers. You would complain because of your children, maybe. I don't know. I hope not. But we, we just complained about so many different things. And, and yet, when we look at the book of Lamentations, the Bible tells us, like, you can complain all you want to. You can go after other rivers of water. You can dig up your own cistern. But if you want to experience the shalom of God, all it requires is your awareness that the Lord's blessings are new every single morning. And they are available to you, whether you're in exile or not, whether you are lamenting or praising God, they are there for you. The Bible says, great is your faithfulness, God. So if you've experienced or are in one of these moments of lament, where you just want to rush through it, I want to remind you that God still loves you. God is still merciful to you. And God is faithful to you, even in your moments of greatest disappointment. The Lord's love is steadfast. It's true. And so in Lamentations, when they say, the Lord is my portion, what they're saying is that the Lord is the very best part of my life. My life, my breath, my lungs, everything is found in Christ. And our soul says, therefore, I will hope and have confidence in him. For you are my portion and the Lord is good to those who wait. So much of our life of faith is really about waiting. I mean, most of us, we look around and we're waiting for the coming of Christ, for the coming when God will renew and restore all things The Bible tells us that the whole of creation groans in anticipation for the day when all things will be made new. Like we have a hard time waiting because we just want to get to that thing. We have a hard time waiting because we just want to experience the shalom, the glory of God. 
But God says, you don't have to wait for that. It's present for you now. I can be your portion because the scriptures tell us that even in moments of exile and lament, the faithfulness of God is still true. His love never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Because when we wait, even in these difficult moments of life, we will experience the fullness of the shalom of God. So I want to encourage you, as you begin to think about what it means to lament in your own life, what it means that perhaps you are in a moment of lamenting, or you are in a moment of deep despair and you just want to get through this, maybe it's in this moment where you are finally ready to take ownership and repent and allow God to be your teacher as He leads you. And if all you can do is claim the promise of Lamentations chapter 3, His steadfast love is forever. His love never ceases. His mercies are endless. If that's all you can hold on to, God is going to bless you even through this valley experience. I invite you to pray with me now. Heavenly Father, we all seek your presence and your shalom. And we acknowledge and we repent of those moments, the decisions, the things that we have done that have led us far from you. But Father, we know that even when we are far from you, you come to us, you initiate the relationship, and you bring us back home. So for those who are listening who feel far from home, Father, I pray that you would bring them back that even in the moment of waiting, even in their journey back, that they would be filled with your shalom and your presence. For those of us who are learning about lament, may you give us the courage to take ownership of the things we've done. For Father, we know that your love never ceases and your mercy is endless. And we thank you for your endless grace. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.